you know, I had a wonderful background and upbringing, but I felt like I didn't really know myself. And I think there was this longing to find out who I was besides what I had been taught to be. And there was this just this yearning to discover my own soul. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am so very happy to welcome Peggy Horan to the My Fourth Act podcast. Peggy is a 50-plus-year practitioner and teacher of Esalen Massage, a student of yoga and movement, and a retired midwife. She was one of the founders of the Esalen Massage School and is the author of Connecting Through Touch, the couple's massage book. Peggy first visited Esalen in 1966, and both her work and her personal journey are intimately entwined with the spirit and legacy of this legendary spot in Big Sur. Today, at the age of 82, Peggy is embarking on a whole new set of professional adventures, and one of the pleasures will be to talk about those. So welcome, Peggy. Thank you so much, Akim. I, we, right before we started recording, we were talking about so the weather and what we see outside and and not everybody who's listening may know where Big Sur is and what you see as you look outside. Would you just give us a little snapshot? Yes, pleasure. Big Sur is a very beautiful, dramatic piece of coastline about midway between San Francisco and L.A. And it stretches about 100 miles and it's got the Pacific Ocean on one side and the mountains on the other side. And I live about half half a mile up a mountain in Big Sur on the south coast. And from my house, I can see the ocean, I can see the mountains, a lot of wild country, a lot of untamed land. It's a very beautiful combination of um, both wild nature and gardens and, Mm. and homes and yeah, beaches, magnificent spot. And as, and you've lived there for quite a while now. And I may be asking an impossible question, but I'm going to go there anyway. So how does this view and what you see, how does that nurture your spirit and your soul? Well, you know, just being in nature is is so nurturing and it just connects connects us and reminds us of something much larger than ourselves. Get caught up in our problems and all the things that run through our minds and to just to go out to the beach and feel the wind and listen to the surf and walk the sand. It's just Mm. that clears the mind and feeds the soul to be so close into nature. The other already mentioned that you, your long association with Esalen. We'll talk a little later about how you got there. But if there are listeners who've heard of Les Esalen but don't actually really know what it is, if you were going to do a brief introduction, what is Esalen? 
Yes, Esalen is a retreat center, and it's dedicated to education and development, human development. Human potential was coined way back in the 60s. The teaching there has all been dedicated to developing the human potential. So body, mind, and spirit practices that help people engage in all of the many practices Mm -hmm. that help feed those aspects of ourselves. It's located right on the Pacific coast with hot springs that are fed natural hot springs. And it's always been a healing center way before we got there. The Esalen Indians used it as a also a retreat, but a retreat meant for healing. So it, it still is to this day. Yeah. I can't imagine that somebody who is listening to you doesn't immediately want to go, I think I want to go there. <laughs> that sounds good. What I know about your story is that you, and if I mischaracterize this, please wrong, you had what I would say almost a typical professional, uh, creative lifestyle in New York, a very urban life. You ended up visiting Esalen for the first time in 1966, and then few years later, you moved there. What was your inner journey that got you to, okay, maybe I'm leaving New York and maybe I'm going to go and live in this really very different place? Well, let me put it in context. It was the 60s. and the 60s, everything was changing. You know, we were discovering all kinds of freedoms that had previously mm-hmm not been available to us. So freedom of body, mind, and spirit again. And, you know, there was a lot of introduction to drugs and to be here now, sort of thinking, change. The words of Krishnamurti were always very important to me, freedom from the known. You know, I had a wonderful background and upbringing, but I felt like I didn't really know myself. And I think there was this longing to find out who I was besides what I had been taught to be. And there was this just this yearning to discover my own soul and what I needed and what could develop once I was away from everything I had known. I felt like I couldn't grow in the ways I wanted to in New York. I was also married at the time. My husband was also very interested in all of this, this sort of new way of thinking. And he ended up coming to California after me, but we didn't stay married. It, I just felt like I needed to be on my own. I needed to explore and discover and find my own way in the world. That's really what drew me. And I going to Esalen in the 60s, it was so magical there. It was like coming into some sort of paradise from New York City into this magical place with beautiful people and music and dancing and wonderful workshop, just this freedom of spirit that, of course, was part of the 60s and the whole transition. All of that sort of helped me go from East Coast to West Coast, and then I never looked back. I've been here ever since. What stands out for you from that very first visit? Uh, that you were there, I mentioned 1966. Are there specific encounters, moments, images that you remember, especially from that very first time? I do. And one of them is my first massage ever. And then, uh-huh. of course, 
several years later, I began to embrace that work. Um, so that one very important transition. I mean, the whole idea of awakening the body was new too. We, you know, we had brought, been brought up in the 40s and 50s. It was very repressive in terms of women's rights and freedom and body awareness and body acknowledgement. Was it okay to even have a body, you know? So that was part of it, that sort of discovery of, oh, my gosh, there's wonderful magic here. And then also there was just this sense of freedom there. There were just people who who seemed to be living in the moment, who were spontaneous. There was a, a lot of joy. There was a lot of music and a lot of dancing. And I, I was very drawn to that. I thought that was very magical. You know, I felt a little bit like Alice in Wonderland, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> down the rabbit hole. <laughs> well, just the way you describe it, I, I can totally just sense that. When you talk about the discovery of our body and those sensations through massage, can you describe that some more like, I trust it's different for every person than what we discover, but, but what are some of the things that you started to discover about your own body? Well, first of all, that it felt good to be touched in that way. I mean, the the Esalen massage is a very loving, caring, connective approach to the work. So being touched with such awareness and, and presence was definitely new. And then, of course, the wisdom of the body, you know, learning from looking inside, that that whole concept was new to me. Um, The idea that the answers were inside, not outside. And so it just turned the focus for me from an outer focus to an inner focus Mm -hmm. on many different levels. And then, of course, also I was very drawn to the work and I thought, wow, what a beautiful way to give the first time I did massage, I just felt, well, this is so natural that we all know this. Everybody really knows how to do this. But of course, it's been conditioned out of us through our upbringing. And, you know, you touch somebody, you say, excuse me, <laughs> you know. So there was all of that sort of discovery that was just really opening for me. So at a place like Esalen, I'm just asking very naive questions. Do you so just raise your hand, say, I want to do massages, or somebody says, let me show you how to do massages, or does somebody mentor your, or is it sort of how does one go from having received a massage, as you did, and then a few years later, being a giver? No, that's a great question, because it's changed so much since the day that I entered I just got interested and started asking people if I could come to their class and and there were massage workshops being given. So I started to attend workshops and I had such a, a natural feeling for it that very long after taking a few classes, I asked the the person who was the manager at the time, Janet Letterman, I said, I'd like to do massage. She said, well, fine. What's stopping you? I said, well, I I don't know. (laughs) Nothing. What a wonderful question. Yeah. So she said, well, give me a massage and we'll talk about it. So I gave her a massage. And then I went to the people who were in charge of of the massage crew, who was a very small group of people at that time. I got hired and that was so far back. And now we have a school, we have trainings, we have a certification, we have a teacher training. So over the years we've evolved. And of course, now there's a much more rigorous uh, training before anybody's accepted to do massage and the, the size of the crew is much much bigger than it was in those days i heard you speak about 
the massage experience and how it has changed over time in a conversation we recorded for the Henry Miller Library. One thing that really struck me also how boundaries around massage have changed, how expectations of maybe the, the form of massage. So as I'm listening to you, I'm going, how intuitive is it? I'm thinking it is always deeply intuitive. And how much of it is it just following a, um, a roadmap that's often repeated? Well, there's definitely a structure to our work. We have our signature move is a long connecting stroke that we go from the feet to the fingertips mm-hmm. or from the head to the toes, you know, whichever way. The form has really changed enormously over the years. We've added a lot more movement and more structure. We've also added a lot deeper work than when it started, it was much more sort of sensual and connecting on the, the level of the skin and not working very deep into the muscle structure. What over the years, the influence of other teachers, Ida Rolf, who came in with Rolfing and talked about working deeper and changing the, the fascia and the muscles. So over time, we evolved in that way. But the approach, the general approach is, is the same. I mean, it's what's deeply important to us is the connection and the presence of the practitioner. And yeah. so no matter what the form is, and we all do it slightly differently, of course, because we're all different in what we've learned and what we've incorporated into our work. But the quality of touch, the presence of the practitioner, the way we connect with the client, and the respect that we show, these are all sort of trademarks of our work. So it's really not about technique at all. It's really about presence. And we call it a moving meditation. What struck me when you described that long stroke, you know, when Mm -hmm. you were describing this, I immediately go to, well, that's full body kundalini. You know, that is like a major, everything connects energy that you're activating rather than focusing on just this body part of that body part, right? It's the whole thing. That's right. It's connecting, connecting it all and keeping the, the mind of the recipient to incorporate that connection for themselves. Another just maybe naive question, but I'm curious. So when you worked there as a massage and when you started massage therapist, did you live at Esalen or did you live outside and come in to do your work and leave? Like how integrated was your whole life and the experience of working at Esalen? Well, in the beginning, most of us lived there. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was very small then, you know, there weren't, weren't that many people there. So most of us lived at Esalen. And, and actually, my first job was in the kitchen. That didn't go over very well. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't great. But so I started doing massage pretty soon after my after getting there, really, maybe six months or so. But we did live there. Some people lived off property and would just come in. And over the years, it's changed. Some people live there. Some people don't. Now, because Big Sur has changed so much and there's not as well, there's very few rentals and they're very expensive. So many people now live in town, Monterey, Carmel and commute. Some commute from further away and they're given housing for the days that they're working So that's changed a lot. So the community, you know, in the beginning, it was very much a a community and we were a part of that community. 
I had, I got married again and had two children who were born there. And we had a wonderful preschool called gazebo school where my children went. So I was there for maybe 10 years. And then we moved down here and bought our own place. And so ever since 1981, I've been commuting. So I'm one of the commuters. So (laughs) most people who work now doing massage uh, do commute. They don't provide housing unless you're just for a couple of days at a time. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the the My Fourth Act mastermind groups where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. You've already been talking about how obviously a place like Esalen changes and evolves over time. I'm also thinking about you. You've been doing massage there for 50 some years. That's like pretty wild, I think. I mean, wild in a good way. And I'm wondering how has that work changed you as a person? And what have you learned about yourself through this work? Well, you know, truthfully, I, I did do a couple of other things along the line. I always maintained a massage practice, but there was a time when I was more active as a midwife. I had a partner here in Big Sur, Robin, and we did a lot of home birth together. Mm -hmm. So that took me out. Also, when I was 65, a friend of mine and I bought a a little gift shop gallery in Big Sur. I did that for eight years. And at that time, I was only doing a little bit of massage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have had other things that have sort of pulled me out of the practice, but I always maintained at least one day of work because it feeds me. It feels good to me to give in this way and to be able to help people heal themselves. And also the practice, as I said, is a moving meditation. So for me, there's a lot of personal work and how present can I be and how how intuitive can I be with this client? How sensitive can I be with them? My work has changed with each year and what I learn, I have the ability to become more present. And Mm -hmm. that's what deepens the practice for me. I ask people, how is the pressure? And they say, perfect, you know, then, okay, I'm happy. You know, that's where I want it to be. So I I cherish that ability to be able to be present enough to give them what what it is that they've asked for. I'm not a massage worker, but I've, I've had a partner who was a massage worker and a very good one. It always strikes me that in, in a very present massage relationship, there's this actually profound give and receive between two people. And am I correct? And, and if so, what, what, what are you receiving from the clients who you serve? Absolutely a give and take. Well, it makes me feel that I'm receiving the gift of them accepting what I'm giving. And as yeah. they accept it and truly relax, that's a gift to me because that's my intention. So th- there is an energy exchange. And just like with any practice or any relationship, the more we can tune into each other and be present for each other, then the more successful it's going to be. Now, of course, there 
there are times when it doesn't work that way. You know, there isn't always this magical connection, but more often than not, there is, especially with time. And, you know, for many people who come to Esalen, you know, they're there for healing and the healing that they get by being touched in a mindful way is just extraordinary. I mean, particularly people who don't have a good association with touch. So, you know, the work is very magical for us. We see a lot of healing that happens. I'm going to ask a question that I immediately think is not fair, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because so many brilliant minds and teachers came to Esalen, shared their wisdom with, with other learners, but also with you all. If you had to very subjectively say, these are like a couple of people who I encountered at Esalen who impacted me through the work and through what they teach, like who comes to mind? Well, I think the first one is Charlotte Selver, who taught sensory awareness. She was one of the early teachers there, and and her work was really, really subtle, and she was teaching people to go inside and to feel their bodies. She had a great influence on our work. Another teacher, well, Al Wong was a later teacher of Tai Chi, but but the Tai Chi movement was very influential and for me in learning how to move from my center and how to move from my core and work with gravity. It was Tai Chi is very much like dance in a way. And so the movement that we do as part of the massage is very much like from based on those movements as Tai Chi gave us a flow. So that was very influential. Also yoga and breath work was extremely important, you know, because again, if, if a person is breathing and allowing change, then things can happen. If the breath is being held, then we need to work with that and encourage people to breathe. So the yoga practice again was very important. And uh, Joel Kramer was my early teacher, uh, Fritz Perls, who was a Gestalt therapist, mm-hmm. very famous, and his work was actually quite Buddhist in a way because he was all about the now and the the here and now, and you know, bringing people into the present emotionally. So again, presence, and then Alan Watts, who was also there at the time, and mm-hmm. again another Buddhist teacher. So there there were a lot of amazing people. Yeah, there was a man named Bernie Gunther who also taught sensory awareness, and he was one of the early developers of the Esalen massage, as was a woman named Molly Day Shackman, who I had very little contact with, but she really was the the originator. She was there in the very beginning. Yeah. I really appreciate you mentioning these luminaries and also the influence they've had on you and the place and the spirit and the energy uh, that is there. Now, one thing that completely fascinates me about you, and I hope it's okay that I mention your age, you're very upfront about it. And you are embarking on a few new professional adventures that in my mind are natural extensions of what you've done. You're studying, you have been studying, And you have a whole other set of amazing aspirations of what you want to do. Would you just take us into that a little bit? Yes. Well, you know, actually, some of this grew out of the pandemic because all of a sudden I had time. It was the first time in many years that I had 
really an open time. My children are grown. I have grandchildren that I, I adore. None of them are living here in right in our homestead right now, but close by. I had time and I thought, well, one thing that I've been interested in and in studying for the last 10 years or so is meditation. And I saw that Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock were offering a teacher training. And I thought, well, I think this is the time. My teacher was Robert Hall. He's passed away a couple of years back, but I studied with him in Mexico for quite a few years. And I decided I would do this. And it's a two-year commitment. And it was all on Zoom, which, you know, has its ups and downs, as we all know. But, you know, <laughs> it was something that I could really jump into. I had the time to yeah. put into it and I had the ability to do it. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. So I'm now one year into it or a year plus beginning to teach. Although actually we've always taught massage in our uh, trainings at Esalen because it's such an important part of learning to be present. And so this uh, mindfulness um is a wonderful practice. I've learned a lot. Uh, I've gotten a lot of background in Buddhism, a lot of background in how to teach. It's it's just been extraordinary, really. So this is one thing. And so that's expanded my teaching possibilities. Also, I decided that I'd like to do some more work from home and have a little bit more control over my schedule. And I've been interested in coaching for a long time. One of my teachers, Richard Heckler, has a wonderful yes. coaching. Yes, you probably know him. I do. Um, yeah. I've taken some courses with him and I've, I've been very interested in coaching. So I thought, well, you know, if I pull everything together that I've learned, I think I have a lot that I can offer people um, at this point. So I've been working on a website for the last, I don't know, year, maybe. And to clarify, this is your first website, right? This is my first website. Yes. I've never put myself out there because I've always worked through Esalen. So I decided I would bring together all of these things that I've learned. I've studied a lot of psychology as well as, you know, movement practices, meditation, and of course, massage. So I'm doing that. I'm going to start my website is almost done and I'll have that soon. It'll be up and ready to go. Then I'll be able to begin that practice. So that's very exciting to me. And, and I really look forward to connecting with people in a different way. Yeah. One of the powers of websites, I think, is that we, it challenges us to name what we do and oh, explain yeah. it to people and to give that a concrete voice. What was that like for you? You've learned so many different things to tell the story of your offer. Well, that was really challenging for me. I mean, I, I mean, first of all, the vulnerability of putting myself out there was a big one to yeah. start. And then, you know, trying to get clear about what it was that I was doing. And I did reach out to um, another coach who was, she was quite helpful in the beginning. I had a couple sessions with her helping me sort of narrow things down. And, and I worked with many different people and my web designer as well as I have a daughter who's a wonderful writer, but mm. both my daughters write well, but one who's an editor and she helped me a lot. It was very difficult to sort of condense all this and then to how to present it in a way that was interesting and, and what was I really about? So it, it brought a lot of clarity process brought a lot of clarity to me. And, you know, I had to get specific as I'm, presenting myself. And so 
it, it's taken a while. <laughs> you and I both know Chip Conley, you know, who's ter- coined the term of being a modern elder. And, and what you're describing is you're very much assimilating, you know, life's worth of learning and experience in the form of a modern elder and articulating it to people who haven't met you yet. Right? Yes. The other thing, I just want to say this because it struck me, you've been in this magical place where amazing teachers from all of the world came to you to teach you, right? They all descended on where you lived, which is in a way extraordinary. And what strikes me, and I would love you to elaborate on it, you talk about being able to do some work via Zoom, which I also cherish. But I understand you're also interested in working in prisons, which is a whole other playground that means going out into a different space that's different from from Esalen and Big Sur. Would you talk about that with us? Yes, I've had this thought for many years about taking massage work into women's prisons. And as I started my research and reaching out to people involved in those world, I discovered that I can't do that because they don't allow touch in prisons. Mm. So that bit of information was just kind of horrifying to me because I thought of all places that need this work, it would be so wonderful to bring it to them. And there's no way to do that. So then I, I sort of expanded my search and I got connected to the Prison Yoga Project, which is a group out of San Francisco, and they bring yoga to prison population, and they have a very, very successful program. They've helped a lot of people. They've done beautiful work. So I'm connecting with them, and we're discussing the possibility of teaching either directly or through their trainers self-massage as a practice for them, and that could be combined with other mindfulness practice, some yoga. I mean, there's a way to sort of bring that into what they're already doing. And I'm not sure where it's going to go for me at this point, whether I'll actually be in the prisons working or whether I'll be working with their trainers or whether I'll be doing both. I mean, because of where I live, it's difficult. We have one facility in San Luis Obispo that actually the yoga prison project is involved with. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility that I could work there going in with other trainers, of course. And then there's another project uh, that I was just introduced to through somebody on our board, which is another project that works, uh, teaches mindfulness in prisons. So this is a little bit more in alignment with what I'm doing right now. And there's a possibility that something can develop there as well. And that does mean traveling, moving out. I just have this feeling about it. I'm interested and I just feel it's a way to give back to a population that doesn't have access to these kinds of learnings. I just feel there's a lot of value and give me a lot of pleasure to be able to bring that to to that population. I keep thinking two words are coming up as as one of the use of words synthesizing and innovating that I hear you doing both of those things, which uh, just inspire me, you know, and our continuous ability to do so. If you play with those two words, how are you synthesizing? How are you innovating? You have a sense of where else it might be moving you toward besides the physical places where you might be working. 
I don't have a sense of moving towards other places. You know, I don't know what will develop, but I have a very optimistic view of this time in my life because I'm seeing how things are showing up and how things are changing and how exciting that is. I don't think I expected to be in my 80s and doing anything new. I, I don't think I, I don't really know what I expected. I don't know that I thought a whole lot about it. One of my favorite things that I'm doing is being a grandmother. So I wish that for everybody because that is a beautiful gift in life. That's a big part of my focus now, as well as these other projects. So I, I don't want to get too far from home because this is where my heart is because of my family, you know, of course. So, yeah, we'll see. I definitely feel like this this coaching is a synthesis of, of everything I've done, um, including grandmothering, you know, I have the, the grandmother wisdom as well. So we'll see what the future brings, but certainly open to possibilities and excited about whatever comes. Well, in the spirit of the cycle of life, you know, what brings you the greatest joy in being a grandmother? And and what are some things that you get from your grandchildren? Oh, my goodness. It's just the love, the the deep, deep love. Uh, One grandmother, my other grandmother had passed away when I was born, but we were very distant. You know, I didn't have a kind of connection. So when my grandchildren were born and I saw what it was, I mean, one of them lived with us for on and off for many years of her young life. She's still young. You know, I was with her, both of them, from the time they were born. I was at the birth of both of them. I did not deliver them. (laughs) (laughs) I was there. I was there to welcome them. And, you know, it's been such a beautiful, beautiful, deep, deep connection. And and it's all new to me because, as I say, I didn't live with it, have this close relationship with a grandmother. So I had no idea. I mean, I hear other people talking and, you know, there's stories about their grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now I'm one of those women. who, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, just the joy being in the moment, the wonder that they bring to life and the beauty and the joy and the closeness. It's, it's just magnificent. Yeah. I don't want to put you in the role of being an advice giver for others, but as you mentioned, you know, you're in your 80s now, you're have you're embarking on a bunch of new things. And there might be listeners who listen to you who are maybe not in their 80s yet, but they're going, gosh, I don't know if I have the courage to try all the new things that Peggy is willing to explore. If you were to share any insights or wisdom with them, what would you say to them? I don't think it's about courage, at least for me. I didn't identify it that way. It was more like passion. Like, what is meaningful to you? What do you want to do? Is there something that's calling you? You know, think about ways that you can give back to the world. I mean, you've done your work in the world, probably. How can you help others at this point? You know, there's a million volunteer organizations that need support and need people, and particularly elder people. And as Ramdas said, walking each other back home. I mean, there's wow. lots of room for that. You know, what calls you? Doesn't matter whether it's what it is, you know. It's about what you, where your heart is and how you feel you can contribute. Yeah. And, and don't stop, you know, just it doesn't matter how old you are. I don't think about my age. It's not relevant. I'm still just doing what I'm doing. I mean, it's, it's 
be nice if I were 62 and not 82 because I don't this. <laughs> but go for it. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. I so appreciate all the things we just touched on. You made me remember my, my grandmother on my mother's side who was just a, a beacon of completely unconditional love. Mm-hmm. I just felt so loved. And she, on a material sense, she lived in a simple apartment. She didn't have a lot of money, but gosh, that was the richest experience of love I had as a child. And the ability to give that to others mm-hmm. is so beautiful, isn't it? It is so beautiful. And that's, uh, you're lucky that you had that experience. I mean, we not everybody gets that, you know, yeah. and how many people have a relationship of unconditional love in their life? I mean, it's more rare than common. Yeah. So it's a wonderful gift. I can't imagine that, that some of our listeners aren't really curious about you and want to learn more. And I trust that by the time I release this podcast, your website is up and running. So what's the address of your website? PeggyHaran.com. I love it. You kept it simple. Good. PeggyHaran.com. Very simple. Yes, it'll be up soon. Thank you for the gift of this conversation. And thank you for just... Thank you for not having stopped. Mm. really admire that about you so thank you for that pleasure thank you so much Akeem bye 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 like what you heard please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice rate us give us a review And let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.